Hey everyone, welcome to this episode. This is number 12 and it's basically um, about something I call the backseat driver. So welcome to this episode. I'm super excited to be sharing this one with you because the concepts I'm going to introduce to you today are not really talked about very much and and they can be a really good tool and they're definitely not discussed much when it comes to the fitness industry or anything else really. You don't hear it much. Um, instead, people basically that sort of stop exercising, that um, set a goal like a diet plan or set some positive habits are usually labeled sort of, oh, well, they stopped, they're just lazy, or maybe even worse, they label themselves as quitters or failures. But this is rarely the case, really. What you find is Basically, when we find things hard to achieve and get des- um, sort of get desired results, it's not because we're lazy. It's not because we haven't got strong willpower, which is what that word gets banded around a lot. So before we go into that in any real detail, let's just look at some of the sort of general reasons that um, people might say for kind of giving up or not sort of seeing something through, not seeing that success. And this is definitely stuff that I hear from clients fairly frequently um, when I ask what, you know, what's happened, what's the barrier, um, why have they not managed to sort of stick to the habits that they've set for themselves, whether that's something when we've set something together with a client or when, when, it's come, when they come to me at the start for a consultation, they talk about all the different things they may have tried before coming to try and get some support um, from a coach. So one of the most common ones is definitely that getting fit is just it's too hard or sticking to the habit is too difficult. Um, now, if that's the case in terms of sticking to a habit, it's not that sticking to a habit is particularly hard. It's probably just that you haven't got the right process in place. But it's definitely an excuse that people give themselves or sometimes it's just being honest enough when you set those goals and targets to understand that nothing is going to come easy that has any real kind of merit to it that's going to you know have a real impact on your life good stuff doesn't come easily so it's important from the start to sort of set the preconception um, set the kind of you know standard that something is going to be difficult when especially when you want to get fit you're going to have to push some boundaries you're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable but even getting uncomfortable can become a habit and it can feel better all the time a good a good one for me is you know when I first started doing cold therapy um, ice baths and cold showers and stuff went to start with it was horrible um, really difficult I had to force myself to do it knowing that it had such good health benefits um, and knowing that it would help me in some of the things I was doing at the time um, and now it's something that's enjoyable. It's become a habit. My mindset has completely changed over that. Um, and now I don't see it as hard. I see it as pleasurable because I know how good I'll feel afterwards. And that's the thing that I focus on. So it's too hard can be quite an easy one that we can band around um, as a way of giving ourselves you know, a get out. Another one is just, uh, again, really common, especially with people that are, you know, have families, parents, things like that. Um, they'll definitely use that I don't have time card. That's something that people will tell themselves. Um, but again, everyone has the same amount of hours in a day, 24. Um, it's how you choose to spend that time. And therefore, if you don't have time for something, 
then it's usually because you don't see that thing as important as the rest of the things that you do do in that day. So obviously we have to spend time you know, on our personal hygiene. If we've got kids, we have to sort the kids out and we have to go to work. But there are lots of other hours in that day where you may need to just basically manage your time better, prioritize your health and fitness over other things which might be going to the pub or, you know, watching some TV or whatever. Or or some actually sometimes just not working so much because, again, that temptation is to, to work harder, but we become less productive um, and we it's proven that obviously exercise is great for mental health as well as your physical health. So make time. It's super important. Make it a priority, what I call a non-negotiable in your life that you're going to carve out that time to stay fit and healthy. Another one is people, and this is genuine, people are genuinely scared of going to the gym, exercising in front of people. Um, because again, you ha- people have this con- sort of preconception about the gym that, well, people at the gym are going to be super fit. But in actuality, 95% of people that go to the gym aren't super fit. They all have goals like yourselves about getting fit, getting fitter. They have their own goals of what they want to do and their success. Um, and going to the gym is part of that journey. Now, you don't have to go to the gym, um, but people will say the same thing about anything, whether it's just a class in their local hall, they're worried about what people, how people will perceive them. Um, and a lot of the time I hear people say, oh, I'll get a little bit fit before I go to start going to the gym. You just need to get over that and you need to either go to the gym, sort that out, or you need to find an alternative because, again, you need an alternative because fitness needs to be a priority in your life. Uh, and again, expense. People can ban that one around quite a lot. It's too expensive for a gym membership. Uh, I can't afford, you know, all the gym kit and all the um, weights and all this kind of stuff. There is loads of stuff you can do. One, gyms nowadays aren't that expensive. I think some of them are like literally 20 quid a month. Um, our Fit to Thrive package is 10 quid a month. That's less than like a cup of coffee a week. Um, and people, you know, will happily spend by multiple coffees a day multiple coffees a week again that's just about prioritizing your expenses making sure that you put your health above other things and you can do bodyweight exercise you can do it in your local park like with us you can do it in your front room look at gyms around you if you do want to go to a gym there are loads that offer lots of different deals some of them just do a pay-as-you-go option to local classes there's loads to do it's expensive is not really a reason but it's definitely something that we tell ourselves now, another one, people are afraid that they might actually hurt themselves. Now, this might be based on sort of pre- previous issues where they've done something and they've got injured, or it might just be a fear of getting injured. Um, but again, with the right workout, with the right trainer, if you're working with a sort of personal trainer or a fitness coach, it's about building up gradually. It's not about just going straight into the extremes, lifting heavy weights, doing hit classes, long hours of cardio. You know, you're not just going to get from the sofa and do a half marathon. That's not smart. You're not going to get off the sofa and start deadlifting your one rep max. That's not smart. So it's about building up gradually and giving your body time to adapt, time to adjust to the exercises. That's the muscles, but also your tendons and ligaments too, because they're under strain. And that takes time, takes longer than your muscles, in fact. So building up gradually is something in the industry we call progressive overload. Super important. So again, 
You won't hurt yourself if you do it right. If you're unsure about how to do these and you need to get support, and feel free to message us at Fit to Thrive on um, on our website or go find someone local to you. And then I guess the last one a lot of people will sort of band around is just, I've tried it before. It didn't work then. It's not going to work this time. It's not worth me doing it because it's just disappointing. But again, this is just a story that we tell ourselves. Just because we've tried something before doesn't mean that we're not going to succeed this time. You might want to just try again if it's the right way to do it and practice kind of makes perfect. Or it might be that you try a different way of doing it. You know, imagine as parents, if we um, saw our children start to learn how to walk and they fall over the first time, they fall over the second time. And on the third time, you say to them, ah, this isn't for you. You probably should uh, quit. You've tried it a few times. It's not going to work. You know, just stay crawling around on your bum. It's not going to happen. You're never going to say that. So why do we put those limiting beliefs on ourselves? A child just keeps going, keeps getting up, keeps falling over until they, you know, manage to take those steps. Um, And that's absolutely the same for us. So these are all stories that we tell ourselves. Now, there's two sort of main reasons we might not be able to achieve something, which is really truthfully achievable for us you know again like the things i've just listed the six things are kind of like a story that we might tell ourselves to give us a reason not to try not to do that thing Um, and there are two main reasons why we probably can achieve those things and those we kind of get past those stories that we tell ourselves so one is our goals are probably not aligned with our why or our values. And that's a big one. So if we set a goal and it's not aligned with our why and values, that can be a real barrier that we've sort of almost created for ourselves. Now, I'm not going to go into that one in too much detail because in podcast number nine, finding and applying your values, I talk about that in depth. So if you've not heard that one, definitely after this podcast, just go and have a listen to that and discover why maybe you're setting goals and for some reason they just you never quite get there or you get distracted um it's it's really important that we align our goals with our values um if we want to be successful long term but today the second reason is the one that i want to talk to you about and that is what i've been talking about this a part of us that is creating a story to stop us now there's multiple reasons why that might happen now The second of these reasons is the work of what I call the backseat driver. This is a metaphor that I use myself with my clients um, and I find it quite successful. People understand kind of the analogy that I'm using. Now, this is the part of our brain that's designed to protect us from harm. So it wants to keep us safe. Um, Its intentions always really have our best interests at heart. It can often be right and it can definitely achieve its goals of protection, but it can also often be wrong and it can react, sort of overreact to situations and, and give inaccurate feedback because of those overreactions. Now, this sort of part of, our, part of us, as it were, part of our brain is like an older part of our brain that's evolved with us. Um, and it's kind of come from that time really through that sort of hunter-gatherer period, this sort of early human um, existence on this planet where we had to have something that protected us all the time. You know, uh, we were prey 
and there were lots of other predators. There was lots of things around us that could injure us, that could kill us, um, that could stop us flourishing in the world. Um, and so our brains developed a part of our brain, which I call the backseat driver, to protect us from that. Um, and like I say, it's definitely has our best interests at heart. So with that said, let's have a little look about, um, obviously, I'm, I'm no sort of psychotherapist, I'm no, no psychologist. So these, this is a sort of a simple metaphor, simple analogy for you guys to just sort of maybe understand thought processes a little bit. I found it really effective for myself, I found it really effective um, with my clients and and there's also um, a lot of other sort of information out there, which I'll talk about in a bit, that um, sort of uses similar sort of structures, okay? So think about your brain in three parts. The first part is your is the driver, basically. It's your human reasoning, thoughtful brain, okay? So it's, it's kind of you as a person, um, and it's the one that's going to apply logic, it's going to think about what's happening, and it's going to make an informed decision, okay? That's the first part, the driver. The second one I've been just talking about already, which is the backseat driver, okay? It's protective, it's reactive, it's emotional, very often over-emotional. Um, so a good way of thinking about the backseat driver, have you ever had a passenger that's constantly reacting to sort of every manoeuvre when you're driving because they're nervous and anxious about being in vehicles. Maybe they've had something happen to them before, they've been in an accident, and, you know, if you're slightly late braking or if a light starts to turn, you know, they put their hand on your leg or they hold on to the side of the car. I don't know if you've ever had that before, but if you have, you'll understand. It's so stressful. And also what happens then is you become anxious, you become stressful. Um, so it's a really kind of uh, that backseat driver, that overreaction, even though um, you're not doing anything particularly dangerous at all, you're just driving, um, can be super stressful. And then let's also have a look at that third part of the brain, which I call in this sort of analogy, the onboard computer which is basically like program software that's impartial and it can be programmed by the human or the sort of the driver or the backseat driver. Um, so think about it like your onboard computer. It could be like your sat nav and it could be, you know, all the different bits that are sort of running in the background in the car. Um, so I want you to think about those. We've got the driver, we've got the backseat driver and we've got the onboard computer. So... Looking at this analogy of driving, I've chosen this one uh, and I find it quite effective because most people that I deal with, most people um, drive cars, right? Um, and even if they don't drive cars, they've been passengers in cars and they understand about driving, they understand about the road. That's just something that happens. It's so common in our lives. So it's a really good analogy to use because uh, I find it quite effective for people to understand the process. So... The first thing I want to think about is when you start learning to drive um, or when you've just passed your test as well. So you're, you're very inexperienced, but certainly when you really first start to get into a car with a driving instructor or maybe you did it with your parents or someone else. As a new driver, and I want you to take yourself back to that moment when you sort of got in front of that car, super exciting, you're super nervous, and then you start to pull away and... 
what you realize when you first start to drive that you sort of took for granted or you didn't even notice when you were younger and you just sat while your parents or other people drove you around is you have to concentrate on so many different actions, multiple actions going on all the time with your feet, with your hands, you have to look in multiple positions, looking in mirrors and behind. And it's it's really hard work. It's really stressful. Um, and, and, and it's basically something that feels so alien uh, as a new driver. But as we start to drive, as we start to get used to this, and, you know, this sort of human is processing all this thing, all of these different things. So this is our driver, but part of our brain is processing all of these things happening. It starts to make decisions about what it needs to spend more attention on and what we can spend less attention on. And what happens is we start to program our onboard computer with lots of different things. So one of the things which I found fascinating um, when I first started driving is we start to build a better, more accurate map of the area that we live in. Um, so being driven around, you don't tend to pay as much attention. When you're walking around, obviously you're never going to cover such a large area. And what I found was that as I drove down different roads, I'd be like, oh, this road comes out there, I didn't realise that. And it starts to piece this map of the sort of your world together. Um, and that goes into that onboard computer. And in NLP and in the coaching qualifications that I do, uh, especially NLP, we use this phrase, the map is not the territory. Uh, we build a map because it's our perspective of what the world looks like. But everyone will have a slightly different perspective. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's completely accurate, the map. And as we drive more, as we cover different areas and we come down roads from different angles, the map gets more and more accurate with experience. And we build this map into our onboard computer so it's sitting there in our brain. What we also do is we start to assign tasks to the onboard computer that almost run in like an autopilot mode. So get shifting of gears, indicating, checking mirrors and sort of general tasks that happen in the car start to get programmed into the onboard computer, into this autopilot, which is really useful. And that is the driver, the effectiveness of the driver starting to do that to make things easier for us, which means that we can then focus our energy on more important things like looking where we're going um, and using our mirrors and all those things where we're more observational to keep us safe and make sure we're being a good driver. Now, the backseat driver can also program the software if allowed. Now, sometimes this can be useful, but a lot of the time, again, like we've talked about the backseat driver being very protective, very reactional, very emotional. It can also bring a lot of anxiety, a certain level of anxiety that really makes us cautious when we need it, which is good. But a lot of the time, like we talked about in backseat drive being over emotional, can also make us a bad driver and cause an accident. Because an idea of that, again, would be as a driver, if we've had an accident, the backseat driver starts to tell us maybe we're not a good driver. We start to get nervous. Oh, I don't like reverse parking because I once reverse parked into someone's car and they got really angry and it was super stressful and the insurance company and the whole hassle was awful. So we start to 
avoid you know reverse parking or we become more cautious and we start to second guess ourselves when we're pulling out at junctions and roundabouts and you see this sometimes um, in drivers on the road and you can see them sometimes a mile off and you can see other drivers notice as well that this person is a nervous driver and they have been the product of a backseat driver that's been now is overcautious. Just because something's happened once doesn't make you a bad driver. It probably actually makes you more aware. So it's about whether you listen to that feedback or whether you, you know, sort of thank the backseat driver trying to keep you safe and then you start to just drive and use your drive your driver's brain again. The backseat driver also can just actively shout at us to get what it wants or to constantly just kind of take control of our life now again if you have um, a picture of i don't know like a child in the back it might be shouting distracting you constantly from your journey asking you to pull over to mcdonald's and you've got an idea about where you want to go and maybe the child in the back's got another idea and if you think about sort of again just taking this analogy super far if you think about any journey that you go on in the car whether it's a sort of short distance or long distance journey you have an idea about where you want to go. Usually you have an idea about when you want to arrive. And these are just like goals that we have in our life, short-term, medium, long-term goals. Um, We might have stops on the way that we have to do sort of smaller goals, box off before we get the bigger, get to the end destination, right? Um, But the backseat driver, again, is one of those ones that can just distract us constantly, get us to stop our journey go a different way that we didn't want to go to make us late to hit our goals and it's doing it by talking to us constantly now obviously in in a car they'd be asking you to stop maybe they'd be wanting to go to a different location that you don't even want to go to but in life it's things like you're not good enough we've done this before and failed and it was really embarrassing so we shouldn't try again So it's things like that that are constantly in our head. The backseat driver is constantly talking us, distracting us from our journey, for one, and also stopping us possibly even getting to the end destination. So we have to manage the backseat driver. We have to remove unwanted software programming on that onboard computer that may have been put in there by the backseat driver. And we have to work around programs we might not even be able to change. There might be something just in our nature that's built into us that we can't actually change because we have a particular trait, let's say, a personality trait, but we can start to actually manage it and work around it. We definitely should listen to the advice of the backseat driver because, as I said, it wants to protect us. But we should decide how we respond to the feedback, okay? So when I talked about removing unwanted software programming that the backseat driver has probably put into our onboard computer, what I mean is if our um, backseat driver has been talking to us a lot in a negative way, lots of self-talk, we start to build these stories like we talked about at the start, you know, like, oh, what's the point of even trying? It didn't work before. I might as well quit before I start and avoid the embarrassment. Or it's too hard. We can't do that. We're not tough like that other person. We don't have willpower. Or I'm afraid. Or, you know, whatever it might be. I don't have time. These are all stories. If, you, if those stories are listened to enough by the driver, start to believe it. It starts to go into their onboard computer. It gets programmed in. And then it becomes an autopilot. And an autopilot 
is great if it's programmed with the right things, but if it isn't, then you're just running on an autopilot and allowing those stories, and that's what they are, they're not truths, they're stories, to constantly run in your life in the background. And they will control your decisions for you. They will stop you doing what you want to do. And ultimately, for most people, they'll make you very unhappy. So when I say we can remove that unwanted programming from the onboard computer, what we need to do is we need to start observing what autopilots we have running in our onboard computer on a daily basis. So that means you have to start listening to that self-talk in your brain. You make a decision, maybe, oh, I'm going to go out with my friends tonight, and then the um, uh, the backseat driver starts to talk in your ear. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't feel great today. I feel a bit bloated or, um, you know, oh, I'm a bit low in energy. You know if you go out, you're going to have loads of fun, but the backseat driver starts talking to you. And this happens all the time. Listen to that self-talk and start to decide whether that is valid information. Is there a risk of you going out? Is there something that you should be avoiding? Or is it just because there's a little bit of the anxiety about going out into public? Maybe there's someone there that you're not confident around or maybe you don't feel good that day. But is that actually valid or is it just overreactive protection? And if it is overreactive protection, you can listen to it, thank the backseat driver for the feedback and decide to go anyway. As you start to build those habits, listen to the backseat driver's feedback, decide to not listen to it and keep doing that. This is a positive habit that you're going to start to build where you start actually listening to the feedback and the driver always makes the decision for the backseat driver, never the other way around. That's how you're going to get rid of that un, 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 sort of unwanted programming, that autopilot running, and then you can program in something better into your autopilot. And working around programs that you might not be able to change. Maybe we have traits that we kind of find very difficult to shift in our personalities. Maybe we're super competitive. Uh, I know I am, and I know sometimes that can be uh, that can be a great thing. But sometimes that can also stop my enjoyment of certain things. Or I might just be over competitive, and I don't need to be now. If you you can use that definitely for your strengths because that's a drive that I have. So what I can do is I can harness that drive. I can align my goals and use that sort of competitiveness with myself usually um, to push myself to my goals. But I can also sort of try and work around it sometimes. And that might be just by removing the competition uh, and just making it more fun, getting rid of sort of extrinsic rewards and thinking about things differently, not always trying to, you know, um, prove something to other people, just be content to take part in something, whatever that might be. So again, if you understand, you listen to that program and it's built into you, you can start to make conscious decisions with the driver, that human reasoning, that thoughtful brain. So that's that's super important. The autopilot should be noticed and they should be programmed by the driver. Okay. Now, I've talked about um, other research, other people that talk about similar ideas about how our brain works. Um, and I think it's a really useful analogy. There's another um, person that I discovered about probably about 10 years ago, maybe, um, 
a, a fantastic book I recommend now, which is called The Chimp Paradox. Uh, and he's also written another one called The Path Through the Jungle. Uh, and it's by a, a guy called Professor Steve Peter, Peters. Um, they're fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Now, he explains it with a diff- his own metaphor, uh, and it's a really good read. And he talks about sort of like a, the, the sort of title gives it away, The Chimp Paradox. He talks about the chimp, um, and he talks about different again different ways this sort of chimp um responds to things that are based around kind of early man and the idea maybe we came from chimps uh it's really interesting it's very similar sort of metaphor um i prefer the driver because some people are not quite so kind of keen on the idea about a chimp brain um it can kind of confuses them a bit um or they just don't really like it so uh, for me the driving metaphor works a little bit better but the book book is fantastic uh, and I definitely recommend and it goes into much more detail obviously than I do in a podcast and he's far more qualified to talk about this too uh, and he obviously uses it with his clients as a professor in psychology so to finish up remember it's not necessarily about what people will always call willpower okay you can't have endless willpower. You can't have endless motivation. There's going to be days when you don't feel like you want to do something. You don't have the energy. Um, but again, that's when the autopilot will start to run. And if you've built good programming into your onboard computer and the autopilot is running, then you'll find that you'll actually start to keep doing these things, keep building these habits. So make sure you've got clear goals that align with your values and your why. Manage the backseat driver, thank it, make, you know, it's, it's there to protect you, it's certainly not a negative thing, but listen to the feedback and make decisions on how you respond, that's super important, you can have two separate people having the same situation happen to them and they can respond completely different, one person can be angry that they've been mistreated by someone, um, you know, and they're frustrated and they're, they become violent and another person can go, this person has said something negative about me, I'm going to prove them wrong. They can harness that and they can turn it into a positive. Thank you for the feedback. That will make me better. That will make me stronger. Um, Same scenario, two different ones. Emotional, probably more the backseat driver, the person that looks at it, um, listens to the feedback, feels the emotion, which is absolutely natural to feel the anger and the frustration if someone's wronged you. But at the same time then, question that emotion and choose how you respond what are you going to do with that emotion that the backseat driver is giving you are you going to just get angry and start shouting or violent or are you going to sort of process it take a breath and then turn it into a positive really important and also ensure your onboard computer is programmed with what you want and what you need because the auto the autopilot needs to be controlled by the driver so We do this by paying attention to those unconscious habits, the internal dialogue of our backseat driver. What does it tell you? What will you choose to listen to? So that's kind of like something for this week. I want you to, you know, when you've got your free time, listen to that internal dialogue, 
you can do this journaling as well which is really useful you can kind of make notes about what pop pops up um and because that's a really good way of getting those things out of your head and you can almost label it like this is you know this is my backseat driver this is what it says to me these are the words i hear this is the autopilot it's constantly running in a circle in my head you know again a lot of people have this like that i'm not good enough or people um you know people think i'm silly or um you know constantly worried about appearance because you're worried about people judging they are all those kind of you know autopilots that are running so have a think about it this week i'd love to get your feedback on it I hope this has been useful for you. Sorry if I've waffled on a bit longer than I normally do, but it's a topic that I find really interesting um, and I love talking about with um, you guys and with my clients as well. So uh, yeah, I hope it's been useful. Have a great week. I'll speak to you soon. Bye.